Um, if you have been following the Backpack Bash prayer calendar, um, you know that I believe it was Tuesday of this past week, one of the uh, prayer requests and questions that was posed in that was, uh, what do you want me to do for you? Those are the words of Jesus to Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. And um, I think it was Thursday that uh, that just impacted me in a very significant way. God just kind of ministered to my heart because what I was really thinking at the time was, what is God doing? You know, what is God up to that I need to be a part of? Um, so many times we come up with stuff that we want God to help us with. And really, what we need to be doing is finding out what God is about and joining Him in that work by faith. And, and that was what was on my mind. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What are your goals so that I can be in alignment with you? And it's almost like I heard Him say to me, yes, but what do you want me to do for you? And as I thought about that, I was just impacted freshly with the love and the compassion and the interest that God has for us as individuals. And this uh, story in Mark chapter 10 is a powerful story, uh, not only because of what happened, but because of the timing. Uh, Jesus is narrowing down His ministry to the final couple of weeks. He is on a journey back to Jerusalem. And this is the time when He is ultimately going to go through that final week that we call Holy Week, but it's the week of confrontation and, and the tension builds. And He has to meet with His disciples to celebrate Passover in secret and then ultimately Judas betrays him and he's arrested and crucified and rises again. But all of those things are just around the corner as he is on his way back to Jerusalem, passing through Jericho. And on the way, um, a, a parade has formed. I, I don't know any other way to put it. It's like a parade. Um, people are excited they really don't understand what he's all about. They think this is the time to establish the political kingdom. They're looking forward to him dealing with Rome, you know, and solving all of their problems. And, and so they're, they're celebrating. And as he moves toward Jerusalem, the crowd is thickening and uh, the fanfare and the pageantry and all that goes along with that uh, leading up to that triumphal entry of well, you know, what we celebrate is Palm Sunday. This is the occasion uh, for all of that. It's in process. Jesus is on the Jericho Road moving toward Jerusalem, and we pick up the story in verse 46 of Mark 10. Then they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. 
But he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him here. So they called the blind man, saying to him, Take courage, stand up, he's calling for you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him on the road. The church has often failed in two extremes. And historically, denominations, congregations and denominations uh, tend to make one of two mistakes that, that fit into the, the gospel ministry Protestant evangelical category. One is they go overboard in the social gospel. They get caught up in... Uh, justice issues and in political problems and in the underprivileged and trying to, to meet physical needs. And many times uh, churches become absorbed in social change. The reality of life is that unless people's hearts are changed by the conviction of sin and the transformation of the Holy Spirit, there is not going to be social change. From a societal standpoint, Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. Because what has to happen is something has to happen on the inside. And if that doesn't occur, there's not going to be permanence to any social effort. On the other side of the coin... The other error is that churches reacting to that perhaps and what we call the social gospel go in another direction and they feel that our only concern is with the eternal destiny of people. And because of that, all of the focus is on evangelism and bringing people to Christ almost to the neglect of the fact that they have lives and that they're in need and that there are struggles and issues in their life. When Jesus came to earth to, to represent the Father and to go to the cross and to pay the price that effected our salvation, He met in Nazareth in the synagogue, opened the Scriptures to the scroll of Isaiah, and He read the passage that says He has brought healing to the sick. He has brought liberty to the captives. He has healed the lame and restored sight to the blind and cast out demons and brought deliverance. He read that passage of Scripture and he said, Today, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing and in your seeing. I am here to do these things. Even though he declared his mission to be to seek and save that which was lost, his method was to meet every single person where they were and to address them 
as someone who loved them and was motivated by their need and, and with compassion cared for them. This story in Mark 10 is repeated by the two other synoptic gospel writers, Matthew and Luke. They both tell it. There are some little minor differences that commentators have uh, hopelessly wrapped themselves in knots trying to explain I appreciate what one person said. If we were there and had seen it with our own eyes, it would, it would have a simple explanation. But um, they both, the, all three of the synoptic writers record this story. The other two tell us there were two blind men that were beggars. Mark picks out Bartimaeus to relate to us on this occasion. But in that situation, Matthew says he was moved with compassion and I want us to just stop for a second this morning and think about the compassion of Jesus Christ do you sense today how much he loves people how much he cares for their need do you sense this morning how much he loves you and how much He cares for your need. That when we are needy, which is actually most of the time, Jesus is full of compassion. One of my favorite phrases in all of the Bible, predominantly used in the Psalms, but it occurs throughout Scripture, Thy loving kindness. The loving kindness of God. It combines His love with His kindness and brings together the compassion to be aware of the fact that my God cares about me. And the Scripture makes it so very clear that the gospel message of salvation and life eternal is always given in the context of the care of God. For individuals, that he truly loves people and cares for them. Next week, we're going to be um, distributing uh, school supplies. But that's not what it's all about. It's a part of it. I mean, if we didn't give school supplies, they'd go away without their needs met. In fact, they wouldn't even come. If we posted a sign saying, before you go back to school, come and hear the gospel. <laughs> you know how many people would show, right? That They probably wouldn't be here. But the fact is, as important as it is to meet the practical need, we are really there to give Jesus. We're really going to be sharing Him. Our mission is to make people aware of His love for them. That He cares for them. And that not only through His people is He willing to address their practical circumstance, but that He cares deeply about their lives. Wednesday night we were writing some cards. You know how we put those in the little Ziploc bags? When they come, they get a bag of tickets and stuff, and they can go around and buy the things they need. And we like to put a card in there that uh, is a personal note. Now, we have no idea who's going to end up with those cards. 
when you write one, you don't know who's going to get it. You know, it's not, is it going to be uh, the little guy named, uh, you know, Tim that has on a red striped shirt? I, I don't know who's going to get that thing. But God does. And as I was praying over that Wednesday night, and we were praying about what we put on those cards, I was saying, Lord, what do you want to say to whoever's going to get this card? What do you want to say to them? And, and I was kind of interested at how I felt God directing me. Saying things to them like, do you know how special you are? Do you know that you have gifts that God has given you? That you have talents? That He has a plan for you? That, that He's made you with special abilities and He wants to see you fulfill those and, and find joy in, in your life and and I'm thinking, God really wants these kids to know that He loves them, that He shaped them, that He crafted them, that they're made for a purpose and they matter to Him. Gospel message always has to go together with the whole person. Jesus, on the way to the cross, stops to minister to Bartimaeus. And it's a fascinating story. Um, we learn from the story that Bartimaeus was not always blind. How do we know that? Because he says, I want to regain my sight. He had been sighted at one point. He could see at some time in his life. He may even have been able to hold down a job and take care of his family. We don't know how old he was. We don't know how old he was when he lost his sight. But we know that he could see at one point, and he had had something happen that had taken his sight away. And in those days, that could be devastating, because now that he couldn't care for his family, or even for himself, he was changed from whatever normalcy he had enjoyed to being a beggar on the roadside. That was their only means of subsistence. There, were, there was no Social Security disability or Medicaid or anything like that to help people like this. They just had to beg, and they could only get what people would give them. And so they would; these beggars would line the areas where there was the most traffic, and he was on the Jericho Road. And on this occasion, there was more traffic than usual. It was this commotion of the parade coming down the street. And, and Bartimaeus is saying, uh, what's going on? What's all that noise? Who are all these people? Can't see them. He's seeking to get some information. And someone says, it's, it's Jesus the Nazarene. Now, I can tell you something else from the story that's not explicitly stated, but it's obvious. He had heard about Jesus. He knew that Jesus could heal the sick and restore the lame and give sight to the blind. He knew that. He had heard the stories. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is His opportunity. He's going to get noticed. This is the moment He's been waiting for. I wonder if He'd even dreamed about that happening to Him. Oh, I've heard about Jesus. Oh, I wish I could meet Him someday and get my sight back. He hesitated not a second. He started 
raising his voice and yelling for Jesus to stop and pay attention to him. The leaders of the parade were a little frustrated. Shh! You're messing everything up. Be quiet. Those of you that are parents, you know how well that works. When your kids are fussing and carrying on, and you're trying to get them to be quiet. Shh! And they, and they realize, oh, I've got mom and dad over a barrel. They want me to be quiet. Now, they may not even be able to put that into words, but they got it up here. You know, and they start screaming all the louder because they know if they want me to shut up, I'm going to milk it for all, milk it for all it's worth. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get what I want out of this. Um, and so Bartimaeus, says, I'm not being quiet. He begins to scream all the louder. You know, I well, pay attention to me. This is his opportunity. That tells me something else about Bartimaeus. He actually thought Jesus could change his situation. He believed that if he could connect with Jesus, his life would be different. His need would be met. The Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, When I came to you, I did not come speaking persuasive words of man's wisdom. I didn't bring you a bunch of philosophy and and Christian ethics and all that kind of stuff. Um, Logic and, and a better lifestyle in your mind. He said, I came to you in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your a hope and your expectation would rest in the power of God and not in the wisdom of men. And I purpose to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Friends, our message is Jesus. And I really believe in my heart that, that the message that we need to bring our community and we need to bring the people who come next week and we need to hear ourselves is, what do you want Jesus to do for you? that I can't do, that other people can't do, that human beings have no answer for. What do you want Jesus to do for you? Because He longs to meet your need. He longs to to touch you. This guy believed that if he could connect with Jesus, his life would be different. And so Jesus stopped and said, call him over here. And when the guy gets in front of him, notice he doesn't, he just jumps up without his coat. I mean, he just, wow, this is my chance, I'm there. And he's standing in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Notice that he had a very concrete request. Oh, teacher, Rabbi and I. I want to regain my sight. And Jesus sees the expectation and He sees the the confidence that this guy has. He's now in front of Jesus and here's His request. And Jesus says, Go. Your faith has made you well. And notice what He did. He didn't go. He came. (laughs) And he turned, immediately he regained his sight, and he began to follow Jesus on the road. Friends, when people know that God loves them, and they know that 
because He has touched them in very, very tangible ways. Their hearts are moved to respond to Him and to follow Him. One of the commentators I read points out the fact that perhaps Mark records his name, Bartimaeus, because in extra-biblical literature regarding the early church, there was a Bartimaeus who figured prominently in the early church in Acts. It's very likely that this man was in the upper upper room prayer meeting with the 120. It's very probable that he was a significant influence in the church in Jerusalem and that he is named here by Mark writing retrospectively because people would recognize, ah, that's Bartimaeus. That's what happened to him because he became a committed follower of Jesus Christ. I was prompted to look up the phrase, the question, what do you want me to do for you? I wondered how many times Jesus asked that question in the Scriptures. You know what I discovered? As far as we know, He only asked it one other time. The three synoptic gospel writers record the question, but it's the same event. So that's one question. The only other time that Jesus asked the question precisely that way, what do you want me to do for you, is earlier in Mark chapter 10. begins in verse 35. James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant that we may sit, one on your right and one on your left, in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They said to him, we're able. One writer said, Their response was as ignorant as their question. They had no idea what they were asking. They had no idea what they were committing to. Although, not to disparage these guys too much, James was the first martyr in the book of Acts. And John was the last. We don't know for sure if he was martyred. The story is they tried to boil him in oil at one point. But in his 90s, he ended up in exile on the Isle of Patmos. These two men spanned the history of the church in the first century, from the first martyr to the last living of the twelve apostles, of the twelve disciples. But Jesus went on to say, The cup that I drink, you will drink, and the baptism I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right or my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. I found it interesting that the only two times Jesus asked that question specifically 
in this chapter, they're both found. One time he said, yes, your faith has made you well. And the other time he said, I'm sorry, that's not mine to give. When the disciples asked for what they were after, they wanted glory. They wanted power. They wanted significance. Make us be somebody. We want to we wanna be on top. And basically Jesus was saying, you don't get my kingdom. <laughs> you don't understand. James put it another way. He said, you don't have because you don't ask. When you do ask, you don't get what you want because you ask it purely for selfish motives that you can satisfy your own lust. But the Scripture encourages us in our raw need to come before Him and say, Lord, it's not fame and fortune, glory and power that I need. I'm helpless. I'm weak. I'm broken. I need You to fix me. I need you to touch me. I'm just done unless you help. And moved with compassion, Jesus will touch you. What do you want Him to do for you this morning? What do you want Him to do for you? What do you want Him to do for the people in our community that need to know Him? In a personal way. What do you want him to do? He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder. Of those who diligently seek him. Lord Jesus, thank you for your great love and your mercy. Thank you for your compassion. Allow us by your grace to minister the whole gospel of of the cross, the message of healing, of redemption, of transformation, of mending broken lives and putting together that which has been lost and scattered. Lord, show us how to love the way you love. Love through us. Demonstrate to the people of our town how much you care for them. Beyond pencils and paper and notebooks and crayons, do great and mighty things. Deliver the oppressed. Release those who are captives. Heal those whose lives are broken physically and emotionally. Do great things. And Lord, we who are your children and who know you, increase our faith like that one who came to you and said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, increase our faith that we might believe you and trust you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.